0: Good evening, and welcome to the Bonafide Moto Show. I'm your host, So Tall Right Now. Actually, no, I usually say I'm Joe Fleming, also known as So Tall Right Now. Um, So there, I said it twice. Um, Thanks so much for joining on episode... What was that? I think it's episode 17. What number? 18. Episode 18. 18. Um, we are now ending week six of this show. Um, it's been amazing. Um, I actually wrote a little blog post uh, the other day that's posted on our website about my thoughts on the show, um, just how great it has been to use Instagram Live as an outlet to engage with our audience. And... Um, To like still have conversations with people that we would normally have outdoors. So um, it's been great. Um, Tonight's guest is Charlotte. I phoned Charlotte the other day and one of the questions I forgot to ask her was how to pronounce her last name. So I think it's Charlotte Rochenard. I don't know, Um, but she's on the show tonight, so that's going to be my first question, is please tell me how to pronounce your last name, because I really hate when someone messes up my name, and I really like to give respect to people and make sure I pronounce their name right. So, that'll be the first question. Um, Oh, got a thumbs up. I think maybe I said it right. Um And, yeah, so this is Friday nights, usually we do it around campfire, but my fire, or well, the fire pit that I had is now back home with Mersh and Justin. They're enjoying it, so back in my office for Friday nights. It's okay. Um Next week we have, it, I think next week is going to be our last full week of the Bonafide Moto Show, meaning um it'll be the last Monday, Wednesday, Friday that we have the show. Um, And then after that, I think we're going to scale it back a bit. So on Monday night, we have uh, Dutch from the Bike Shed. Um, uh, I've met him once before years ago on a transfer through London and um, love the Bike Shed. I think it's one of the coolest places in the world for motorcyclists. They do some really amazing shows. Um, They just had a new festival last year. Um, and what, I, what I'm curious to talk about with Dutch is their new volunteer program that they have going on, that is basically activating all of their um, all of their club members, which will allow them to deliver medical supplies and food to people in the London area, and it gives everyone who has a motorcycle a reason to go for a ride and for a good cause. And then on Wednesday nights we've got a, a Liam. I actually forgot Liam's last name. He plays in a band called the Cancer Bats. He lives in Canada, and he was referred to me by Fuel Motorcycles. He's a guy that completed the Scram Africa last year, and he looks like a really fun guy, and I'm looking forward to getting to know him. And on Friday nights, we have the other half of Bonafide Moto Co., Everyone's favorite musician, Alan Shenton, is going to be on the show. So Alan and I have um, a little bit of work ahead of us next week to try to figure out what some of our plans are going to be as best as we can figure them out um, next week. Um, obviously, a lot of our trips are... Liam. Uh, Liam's last name is Cornier. Um, so he's on Wednesday nights. So obviously with... Um, the coronavirus and everything, a lot of our trips are cancelled, our international ones Um not going to focus on them this year, but we need to figure out some new ways uh, forward in what we're going to do, and we are going to share some of that information with you on Friday, next week, and as you saw, I was doing a little teasing last night on the Sabi Bubble Run page, which is December 12th through the 16th, 2020. So... Without further ado, um, oh yeah, one last thing. This show is made possible by our friends and partners at Motul, South Africa, who have an amazing range of uh, products that you can use for your motorcycle cleaning, uh, for performance. Um, they come with us on every trip. Um, along with Motul, we've got the the people at Jack Black. Like I said the other night, I'm out, almost out of beer. So um, they've been supporting our show. And when we get back outdoors, you can find their logger at every single one of our events. How about that? So, Charlotte, I'm about to send you a connection invite now. Stand by. And I'm may- Charlotte Charlotte the latest updates of instagram so we should have no problems connecting let's see so it says waiting for charlotte charlotte you should get a little uh, notification at the bottom of your screen saying we would like to go live and charlotte is hey. yes got it no Walking. problem yes how are you charlotte I'm good, thank you. Good. So um, a, a little bit of background. I was, uh, so Charlotte is in the UK. And um, I came across Charlotte from Fuel Motorcycles. And I was reading through an article um, that I think you you had written. There the, was the Great Escape article. Yes. Today, send yeah, your um, questions. Um, yeah. And I was reading through the article and I was like, I think this person speaks English. I don't know. (laughs) Um, And so I I emailed Charlotte, asked her to be on the show. She said yes. And it wasn't until a few days ago when I phoned her to make sure she spoke English. And I think we're going to be fine. (laughs) I was a bit worried. I was a bit worried.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's a bit of a... So you went up too far from the surname. It's Rochenard. So you just don't pronounce the D at the end.
0: Ah, Russian arm. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. So I Other was like You were close. Yeah. I can't okay, blame you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I a lot of people don't really mispronounce my name, but they spell my name wrong. And I get really upset when that happens. So um, I do like to make sure I know someone's name if possible. Yeah. <laughs> so Charlotte, thanks for joining us on a Friday night um it is great to have you uh, like i said in our post we had been following along on your journey um i think from the beginning we saw you were getting ready to head out on the trip and um before we talk about the trip i want to find out who charlotte was uh before she set out on this trip what was sort of your day-to-day job in life like
1: so before setting up which I think I'm still uh part of this world as well now. But um I work in the automotive industry, so not motorcycle at all, although it's kind of fairly close. Uh and I'm a CAD designer, uh working with the design team to um to 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 create the new cars. So it's a pretty creative job. Um and it's well. um, it's pretty good. Um it's uh unfortunately it doesn't get me outdoors as much as i would love to and i like think that? that's why um that little adventure was needed at some point as well
0: yeah and um i see you work with some like really cool brands you work with bentley and aston martin um
1: yes yeah, so the past few years i was working with bentley yeah so it's been uh, it's been it's been great it's been uh, it it's been a great place to work for and uh, I can't really complain about that it's it's, uh, yeah. it's a it's very really good job and um it's comfy and it's um yeah it's um it's a great thing but I'm a very outdoor person and um yeah, yeah I was really dying for uh, for one of a lifetime adventure
0: mm. and is that why is that like I see on your uh, you've got a blog and I see you called it yeah. the great escape And what was sort of your rationale of calling it the great escape? Were you escaping work? Were you escaping home?
1: I think it was just, yeah, just a big escape from everything. Just some time for myself, just six months for myself and just looking after myself. And that's kind of really disconnecting. Disconnecting, but in order to, when I'll come back being more more enjoying what you take for granted every day i think maybe um, on this line yeah
0: yeah for sure and um like leading up to the trip how long how long was it that you started planning your trip before you left
1: um i think it must have been about a year and a half something along this line so i wanted to leave virginie the the winter before, but I didn't find a bike and thing would have get like really rushed into the preparation. And it's, it's one of those trips where that's the first time I was doing a road trip that long. So it's something I I didn't want to get wrong. I wanted to know the bike well as well. I wanted to do some kind of route planning although I didn't do much and I realized once you get there that route planning is actually a day to <laughs> day after it's not something you can plan in advance so I knew which country I was gonna go through and then that was a, that was about it but I really wanted to you know the bike try to get the gear needed making sure I had time to pack and pack not living with too many things but in the end yeah I was probably over prepared but because that was my first um, big trip.
0: So yeah,
1: yeah, until you do it, you don't you don't really know. And then along the way, you realize, yeah, I would have done things differently on that. But I think in the end, I wasn't too bad. I was quite okay with the amount of, or well, the way I've prepared.
0: The yeah. Sleep. And um, what was your, um, was your like initial plans for getting away, was it to go to Cape Town? Did you have other places that you maybe wanted to go to first, and what what was sort of your reasoning for choosing Cape Town as your final destination?
1: So I don't know. It's it's got something quite mythic. I think the bottom of Africa, starting at the very north top and then going to the bottom. Originally, yeah. I I wanted to do that trip for my 30th birthday. I was just taking the, the months off and. And just uh yeah, that's it. I'll take the month off and I'm celebrating. It's just for myself. And then I couldn't do it that year. And um, sorry, what I meant to precise is I wanted to do the Paris-Dakar. And then oh. because I couldn't do it at that time, I had more time. And then the more thinking, I thought, well, if I'm going to Dakar, i might as well go to Cape Town. <laughs> okay, yeah. so there's still a little ways to go. But I thought I'll just take more time off and... Uh, and just go all the way down. And I just like the idea to start from a point A, going to as far down as I could. And um, having been in South Africa, like I think it was 2017, I uh, okay. did a like, very last minute short trip in 4x4 with my cousin at the time. And we went through Cape Town up to Botswana and crossed to Vinduk. And at the time, I didn't think much about necessary motorbike, but... I think that's definitely something I wanted to mm. to target and say, yeah, that actually this final line, finish line, sorry, is, yeah, is really something
0: I'd like to, to, yeah. It's a, yeah. it's a beautiful place down here. Um, there's, there's a lot, to, I mean, we've, we've oftentimes gone in cars, um, places around South Africa and you're like, I want to take a bike. So I could see why, um, you would want to come down here. I mean, that ride um, has got to be spectacular. And, and I think it was, it, it's, uh, I think there's not many people who have gone from North to South Africa, and it's it's not a very long list of people. And um, it'll be great to have your name on that list um, yeah, one so, day. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that's got to be, It's. it feels like an unfinished business for me, so I just, I just need to get back there and just yeah. I really want to finish that trip because although we'll, we'll come later to what happened, but uh, it didn't put me off. I think it just, I'm just even more eager to finish
0: it. Yeah. And um, before we chat about that, um, I wanted to, like your, the bike that you chose, um, as far as I know, like a 701, the husky usually seems to be quite a tall bike did you have to make any modifications to it and what did you how did you what made you choose that bike
1: so it's been a long kind of process before i decide which bike to go on so back home i've got like um i've got two bmws actually so i've been very used to those. although i learned to ride on a small um, a small Honda from the 70s, which was my, well, not my, but my parents, my dad, we storied uh, this bike. and that's how I got onto bike and kind of first off-road test. Um, so the Osborne is something, or oh, that type of engine is something I didn't know at all. And I yeah. wasn't, at first, I wasn't really keen on a big one cylinder because it's got a particular noise and it's quite it's quite strong. but for an adventure across Africa, for me, what was really important is like a bike that I could pick up because the bike falling is clearly something that was going to happen. Like anyway, it's not something I could put aside it was going to happen. Mm. So I was looking at something on the lightest. So any adventure bike where almost 200, apart from the latest scenery, they're all 200 plus kilos and I thought that's no, that's not possible with the luggage and everything. Else yeah. and I struggle. I know yeah. there is um there is girls doing it. Um and it's it's possible to do it, but if it's gonna drop ten times a day because I'm in the mud, sliding mud or in the sun, that's no. So yeah. so I looked across and then I saw um some people using the the seven sorry, the six ninety, uh the KTM six ninety.
0: Yeah. And
1: basically um I went for the Varna because in twenty eighteen they had the new engine fixed it's the same they they share you minor, but they share the engine, but in twenty eighteen the Varna had already the new engine, and that one of on the k t m was to be um put later on i think but um one of, yeah one of the reasons as well is like those bikes are really built to be pushed through. To be completely destroyed, to be in the mud to be hmm. completely hammered. And I thought, okay, that's maybe a bit extreme for me. Africa is gonna be okay, tough, but at least I'm giving myself a chance so i've i've, I've yeah. lots of people telling me, yeah, it's too much of a it's too big cylinder you're gonna you're gonna have trouble with that um everybody's got its pros and cons, but in right. the end, I think. I didn't have any trouble whatsoever with the bike. I only had a, a worry when I was in Sierra Leone. I thought the engine behind the crankcase was doing like a strong noise. And thankfully in the end was just the valve clearance, which was due to be uh, adjusted. But uh, okay. so back, to, back to the fact, yeah, it's a, big, uh, it's a big bag. So I had to do uh, quite an amount of modification onto it. So I added um, a shorter links. And I've uh, dropped the front fork as well. Okay. And that plus the luggage that gave me a chance to
0: um, to tiptoe a bit more on the bike. Huh. Yeah. So was your stance like when you stood over the bike? What were your feet like? Were you tiptoeing to touch?
1: Um, high high heel style.
0: Sheesh! Wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's 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 tough. So That's tough, especially like on the incline or anything, You?
1: Yes, so that was a bit. I think that the only thing where I wasn't quite comfortable with when I left, I thought oh. I didn't like the idea. But then with the everyday thing, I think it was alright. Mm-hmm. The only thing when I had to sit on the bike, I was telling, it, taking it, pushing the opposite at um, the opposite direction, then throwing my leg <laughs> over. Okay. Bike, bike, and it was a bit of a, oh. a process to get onto. It's not like you throw your leg over, but... Uh, yeah. It seems um, like you would have
0: to, you've got to plan your your landing, um, the plan where you're going to stop uh, the bike and get ready to move and get off.
1: That wasn't too bad actually with the bike loaded, that really gave me a better chance. And at the beginning when I had the, the bike, at the very beginning, I thought, well, oh, gosh, that's going to be very tricky. And yeah. uh no actually I wasn't too it was all right, yeah. It was more okay. than all
0: right. Good. And when you um when you took the trip, did you know anyone along the way that you were gonna plan and stop at or not so much?
1: No, not so much actually, no. Um at okay. some I've heard I talked with some guys that Give me names of people um, in Congo, which well, obviously I never never got to meet, but I know I never really um, met with anyone that's a planet before.
0: Okay. Okay. And then you left. When did you leave for your trip last year? Was it October?
1: Yeah, that was mid-October. Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah, about
1: the 13th of October. Yeah.
0: And um, and what out of those countries, like what was what was sort of the most difficult terrain that you had to deal with? Like, what was the most challenging part um, of that trip?
1: Um, funny enough, I don't know why. I thought arriving riding in sand would be like a easy peasy thing, which I don't know why. I just thought <laughs> really? like, Woo-hoo! Okay. yeah, yeah well, no. <laughs> Especially with a fully loaded bike, um, so yeah, that's one thing I need to improve with. Although I had lots of sand, but I still not mm. not liking it so much with a loaded bike. Yeah, so I was really uh, kind of worried with like all the mud and uh, like getting completely stuck with like huge puddle of mud and and various type, but I, yeah, I think the sun was definitely my uh, enemy.
0: Yeah, and and it's funny that you say that you didn't think it would be that hard or that it would be easy and, and what I've heard, um, I think one of the most challenging off-road pieces for me is twofold. One is uh, wet clay um, because it's just like an ice skating rink and then the other is thick sand because thick sand, you've got to throw the bike around, you've got to let it um, kind of do its thing. Um, it can be super challenging and, and in parts throughout Africa where um, you know we've had guys on the show tell their story about, they went through sand areas and it's it, it can be a lot. Um, and you don't know how far it's going to be, um, how thick the sand is, and what you're really going to have to battle with um, throughout the rounds.
1: Well, my very first encounter with the sun on that trip was um, not probably not the best place to have a trial, which was the, uh, the no man's land in between Morocco and Mauritania. Okay. So that, that's a place where it's, um, I don't know how much now, but it's uh, surrounded with landmines and you've uh, got a stretch of field, which is a mixing between sand and rocky place. And deep kind of pool of sand and suddenly it's very various and i went straight into it thinking yay Uh, yay no just went like whoop and uh, (laughs) (laughs) just on my side (laughs) Uh, so i thought "Hmm, those five kilometers of no man's land are gonna be um very long and and you definitely isn't definitely not the place you want to hang about because you said where am i going so i was trying to follow a, a sort of local car so I'm, at least i'm thinking well if he's going on the mine he'll he'll go first but um they seem to yeah they seem to know their ways so.
0: and um yeah, you yeah. said you went through morocco is that correct yes and what 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 was that terrain like because i've i was supposed to go to scram this year and that's where they do scram and i was so curious to see yeah. what that place yeah. is like and i've heard so many amazing things about it
1: so I didn't spend that much time in Morocco because uh, basically a trip the full trip was going to be five months and Mm -hmm. for me Morocco being quite close to home it's easy to just go and go back if I want so I really I kind of really wanted to get to Dakar as sort of as quick as possible and then relax the pace in between Dakar and, um, and Cape Town to enjoy more of what I couldn't Because right. Morocco is absolutely beautiful. I mean, the, the, I've spent 12 days, the, oh, sorry, no, 10 days. Yeah, and the little I've seen, there were so many places I wanted to see from the Atlas to the dunes mm. and, and all of that. And I think I just, it deserves, um, it really deserves some some proper good time over there. It's it's an amazing country I think for especially for motor trip and, and all that. Yeah. The route I took, just the routes like the prop the road through the mountain. Like the first day um I arrived in Tangier um, Tanji and I went to Chefshawen and from Shefshawen, Casablanca. The The road was just like amazing. It was just like really nice and twisty. And so it's, there is everything yeah. and I've had so many twisty roads but then for same for off road and Sanjay and I really want to do that as well. Um, one one day and why not the crown as well. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And um, what's your you were in Nigeria, correct? Yes. Yeah. And that's- and what's, what's terrible with me, I'll admit, being an American, we're not very good with geography. So I don't have a map in here of like the countries that go along the way. So I really don't know which one's at the top, which one's further, and how far Nigeria is from where you got to. So um, how long were you on the trip? You said you left in October, and then your trip somehow ended around towards the end of December. In Nigeria, is that
1: correct? Yeah, on the, yeah. On well, on New Year's Eve, exactly.
0: Yeah. And um, leading up to that point, um, what was Nigeria like to you? Like, did you feel safe? Like, every time I've heard of Nigeria, I always think, uh, I don't know, I always think it's kind of sketchy. Um, but that's just me. What like, what was it like for you?
1: Well, so before I left for the trip, Nigeria was the only place or the only thing i was really worried about i because with everything we hear about that and also the visa was really uh really really hard to get so that's the only visa i got before leaving so i got it uh, in the uk so i had three months to get there anyway um so that was kind of uh, yeah a time scaling the trip um but so when I got into Nigeria, I was a bit like, a bit nervous. Um, I was traveling with uh, Jonas at that point, And so he didn't have his visa. So we, he had to sort it at the border, but that's um, a, a different thing. So that's, I was kind of really nervous on the first day getting into, uh, into Lagos um, was probably one of the worst of the trip. I was the like worst, The worst off. of the trip yeah i know it sounds it sounds weird it was um basically in between the border so in between benin and lagos i think it's about 140 kilometers something i can't, okay. can't quite recall but um yeah but it, it takes a very very long time and the road is quite uh was really busy and there was a lot of dust and wind and i couldn't see much And because Jonas didn't have his visa, we had to uh, follow um, an immigration officer to the airport so he can get his visa stamp over there. So we were in a sort of a convoy. So I was following them and like on the motorcycle, so he was in a car on the motorcycle. I was like in all my gear and uh, like, it was really, really hot day. I don't don't know, but probably around 40 something. And I was, (laughs) I was just like, Dying under my my suit and everything, and yeah, I don't know. I I got like it exhaustion exhaustion, and I wasn't feeling mm. right at yeah. all. And I finally arrived at the place in the evening. I had to leave uh, Jonas at some point. I said, I'm sorry, a constant. The traffic was absolutely mad. It it was absolutely crazy. So I, I met time to him. I said, well, i I'll, I'll meet you to the point we decided for the evening because." I was I wasn't feeling good at all, so I got to the place, and that was the first day in Nigeria, and I thought, gosh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not a great start. But um, so the plan was to cross Nigeria. It was just like it wasn't to spend any time there. But it was just like all right, let's just cross, go to the border, and that's it. That's done, and all the people were saying yeah which is true there is lots of uh, police stuff and it's quite impressive obviously they've got like guns and everything well well you get used to it because it's like this in in West Africa yeah but uh, actually Nigeria was really nice people are really nice I mean when I got like that first uh, that first day I arrived to the place which was a a little hotel there was like um, a guard, um, just like a kind of bodyguard at the, at the hotel, and he, he just like went and get me a bottle of water, and he, would, he wouldn't have anything in exchange. And all the people are like, even one time stopping by the side of the road just to make a little coffee one morning, and uh, ended up stopping nearby a little workshop, and there, it was closed. It was a Sunday, and so after church, the um, the owner actually arrived with his family, and they were gonna walk. They were really busy, and uh, they gave like fruits and mangoes and cocos and just. Oh
0: wow!
1: Make, we had coffee together, and, and not necessarily want. They didn't want anything in in return. They were like really nice and genuine, mm. and um, actually yeah, I, I completely forgot about all this security issue about Nigeria and all that. I was just yeah no, actually it's great. Wow. It's great people.
0: And was that, um, I know you sent a photo, there, there was actually a photo on your Instagram as well with like all the kids, all the kids behind you and you took a selfie. Was that at the same spots?
1: Um, maybe not, maybe a bit later. It was in Nigeria, but maybe uh,
0: okay.
1: Maybe a bit later on. With, yeah, with all the kids behind the bike. Yeah. Is it what you mean? Yeah, yeah that, yes. that was one, uh, one of the evening, yeah.
0: So, so overall, like this, the experience was good, and you got kind of, uh, I guess, surprised by it.
1: Yeah, in a very good way.
0: Yeah. Oh, good. And it's—I mean—I think that's what um, I I was actually speaking to a buddy of mine today, who is—he's trying to figure out sort of his next um, adventure and where it's going to take him to. And he he had a a choice between—it was like Alaska, Antarctica, and Patagonia. And he was asking my opinion and I said, I would choose, uh, my two are uh, Antarctica and Patagonia. Um, I think Antarctica would be super challenging, um, like very, very tough. However, there's no one there. And whenever I travel, um, to me, one of the things I come back and speak about the most is the people that I met along the way. And I think that's that's what travel is really about. Um, so I said on, on that note, the heck with Antarctica. I'd say go to Patagonia. Um, and so like, just because you want to get to meet the people when you're traveling and see what they do, and like that's yeah, what definitely. you want. It's um, it's a rewarding thing because that's what you'll most likely remember after a trip is the people that you shared the coffee with on the side of the road and um, like. We're in India, like the coconut we shared with people, I mean, I'll never forget those moments. Um, so when you have those, especially in Nigeria, you'll, you'll, I'm sure years from now, remember that moment and um, yeah. it'll be pretty sweet. Um, so so as, as we kind of um, mentioned, the, the trip wasn't completed. Um, and why why was the trip not completed? What What happened?
1: So on the, um, on the day, well actually, um, I was very close to the, um, the Cameron border, um, just like, as we said, bird flight was possibly about 20, 30 kilometers. But okay. due to some security issue, the, the closest border was, um, was closed. So we had to go up, like, um, I was still traveling with Jonas at that point. Up to um, to up in the mountain, a bit more further north, the country, and uh, so yeah, so that was small, like kind of tiny, tiny personal. So we were just planning on to that. So that morning on the on the New Year's Eve, we left uh, Calabar, which is just down by the coast, and uh, on the on the way up there, (laughs) I got um, I got involved in an accident. So the the sense of driving in Africa is something a bit uh, a bit different from uh, Europe or America and it's uh, out of nowhere it was a very wide road and I every single day every single night till now I'm turning the accident in my hand, just I I still I still don't know what kind of happened mm. The Basically, um, an African-style loaded motorbike, so two guys with, uh, I think it was a huge container of diesel in between themselves, so the driver couldn't even see what was behind. But basically, they were on the left, just far, a very wide road, a new road, so it wasn't even off-road or anything like this. And suddenly, next thing, they were just in front of me, and, well, they literally, they just, sort of tailgate me, they almost tipped on me. Mm. And I didn't even see that coming. I, mean, I was, I don't think I was distracted or anything. It's just like the time to look in the mirror like half second and next next thing they were just right there in front of me. So I went about, I think, 50 to 60 kilometers straight into them. So I think at that point I just <laughs> I was a slow motion in my head thinking, oh yeah, well, that's it. Let's just go for it. Yeah. <laughs> sort, of, sort of thing. And um, and so I crashed. Uh, and hit him on the floor, seeing the bike sliding, rolling on the floor. It's, it's all a bit conscious about that thing. Uh, next thing is like another vehicle is crashing into my bike and my bike is crashing into me. And at that point, I don't know, at the very thing, I thought oh, I better roll on the side. I still don't know how I did that, but I better roll on the side of, of the road, because if there is a truck behind, well, that's not going right. to be great. Right. Um, so anyway, I ended up on my knees and uh, Jonas was uh, in front of me. Jonas and Sebastian, we, we were in a convoy with, um, I was in a convoy with two other guys. Um, I tried to, they were both in front of me. And as I went to wave them, that's where I realized that my hand was hanging out. So it wasn't where I thought it would be. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You just like this, <laughs> yeah. and it's actually like that over over so there, I was like
0: oh
1: no, no. Um, so i was on the floor, and then without time to realize that, like forty people around me, just like looking, well, looking at me. Um, so Jonas and Sebastian came back, um, <coughs> uh, to me, and I, I, I couldn't move, so I was I was on the floor. Uh, Mm. So I was in sort of PLS position and yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't great, I wasn't sure what was uh, going on, so they put me in in a car and we went to a a sort of little um, medical center, Mm. I think about 10 kilometers away, so one of the locals um, led us there, uh, where they managed to do an X-ray of my arm, although it was quite obvious. Um, I was telling them, well, there's something else wrong. So, so well, you need to go back to Calabar uh, to get to, to a proper hospital. So Calabar was about um, two and a half hour, three hour drive, and so they were trying to get a sort of an ambulance. Uh, mm. But in in the meantime, they would not, they didn't want to give me any painkiller. So I was lying in a sort of, uh, yeah, at, at first a stretcher, then on a sort of desk. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was all a bit of a strange uh, situation. You gotta, uh,
0: see, you're laying there with a broken arm. That's fucked your broken arm and, and other stuff that's wrong. And, and like, no medication to help at all. No,
1: no, no. So we were shouting. I think I uh, finally got some medication. Uh, maybe about two hours later or something like this. Um. I yeah okay. i'm not I'm not even sure which um was a bit stupid of me because I had some strong painkiller in my in my bag, and on the moment I just didn't think about it because I was supposed yeah. to be on the medical medical uh, well with people that knew better <laughs> but uh, right right yeah mm. sort of so anyway, after quite some time, they managed to get um, an ambulance which in fact was just a just a taxi van into which even my Feet were stepping out of the car, so so I was packed into this with uh, a little drip feeder of uh, I think it was just um, a salt uh, solution type thing. Okay. <laughs> with a thing that kept dropping over my face as well. Uh, so got to back to calabar in here, like um, a small small hospital, a little yeah medical center um, where they eventually. Did something for my uh, for my arm, and if I look, there's still something wrong. I can't I can't see it. I can't walk. I can't stand. I can't do anything. It's really painful. So on the first of January, uh, I've managed to get like a, an X-ray because I really wanted to get evacuated. So I said, "You need to
0: yeah.
1: do an X-ray of my lung and and the pelvis because the, around the pelvis, that's where I thought it was uh, it was wrong." So we did an x-ray and, um, and they didn't see anything. And so they said, well, look, it's just like some spinal compression. So you'll be fine, you, you just stay there and, and God will solve that. I was just like, mm, yeah, well, I'm pretty sure I'm gonna need a bit more than God on this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so happened that uh, fast forward uh, 10 days in Nigeria um, I, so it took about 10 days to to organize the evacuation. Uh, and as we got into um, the plane, the doctor just looked at the same X-ray. I said, well, I'm sorry, but it looks like you've got a few fractures on your pelvis. And I was just like, all right, okay. I think I, uh, after that point, I was just like, so glad I was in safe hand that I thought, yeah, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> just fly back home and we'll see you there. So. So in the end yeah the, um uh, so a uh, left broken arm which was quite obvious, uh, my right hand which was broken as well and uh, a pelvis with um the sacrum fracture the the big hip bone the bottom of uh, fractured and the, and the less um the five, the last transverse the bottom the one just above the sacrum so yeah quite a few <laughs> broken bone
0: yeah I remember seeing photos, I think, from the plane maybe it looked it looked it looked like carnage. Yeah, I think you had pins everywhere, like it looked like a proper fuck up. Like it yeah, you know, looked like you were in some pain.
1: Yeah. No, it was. I mean like they left me I had a sort of um, cast around my arm. They did a sort of lighter cast for to fly out. Um that basically it was like this, like with the bones. So it, it was like just a sort of wow. not straight shape. So it was like this for ten days, sort
0: of. And right. um, and how did it, you manage those? How did you manage those ten days, waiting like in all that pain? And you know something else is going on, but you started to just wait. How did you manage to wait for ten days? Like I think I would have lost my sanity. Um,
1: it wasn't easy um i was really really upset about the fact that someone took uh a, a hand of my journey at my journey without it wasn't my own fault it was someone else putting me out mm-hmm. of action and i was really i i wasn't dealing at all well with that but thanks for the um okay. very kindly i think he's watching uh jonas uh stayed with me so for on, yeah. 10 days yeah so okay. he wasn't staying at the hospital like all the time, but he was with me pretty much every day. Well, he was, yeah, every day. So very okay. well looking after me and uh, getting me food outside from the hospital, uh, outside the hospital, oh, cool. and and like refilling my water and charging my batteries for yes. for the phone because job, most Jonas. of the time, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, there was no electricity in the hospital most of the time because the generator wasn't working well.
0: <laughs>
1: and um, I couldn't turn at all on my bed. And like one night, I was hearing like a little noise. I thought, what's that? And then after some time, I thought, "Like that's got to be a mouse. And, and after some time, I thought, that's got to be a rat. So I had a rat in my room as well as a little uh, companion. So. Wow. But the. The nurses were really nice. Like Sam again is is like some very lovely people around. I had two really okay. well, not more nurses, but two really that uh, were really nice and like really kept me kept me going.
0: Yeah, she's well. That's good that um, you know, you know like you. I didn't hear you complain about the nurses and and to have ten days of not knowing what's going on. But to have like at least good care and people around you that um, were caring for you, like I'm sure that made it um, much better than if they were completely the opposite. Then I think things would have gotten a bit worse.
1: No, yeah, that was really helping because the insurance people were such a trouble to to walk with. I mean, I had to do. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'd done like if I'd been worse and I, I couldn't use my hands. I was like dealing with them was just had to be on their case all the time and they supposedly had an agent in Nigeria but the agent wasn't doing anything.
0: Yeah. So I had
1: to keep pushing all the time and asking for like the medical report which the hospital wasn't providing and it's mm. that's more yeah, that's more about the that side of the nightmare, but um
0: well. but yeah. So, so then the plane took you home, and then you you had surgery afterwards, and that was yeah. uh, what mid January.
1: Yeah, that was uh, on the I had surgery on the 11th. Sorry, on the 10th of January. Yeah, but about 10 days after the 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 accident, which isn't ideal for that kind yeah. of. Uh, yeah, it's broken, a long time uh, broken leg. It's uh, it's yeah. quite a long time, but. They've uh, they've me and saying that although it was uh, not in, well, ideally you need that within 48 hours, but they say you did a really good job of refusing having it done in Nigeria because we've seen the thing and it's yeah. Oh, that's good. So, good. But um, I've I've got to uh, add a little anecdote <laughs> to the uh, to the accident. Um, the accident actually happened in a in a in a formerly or at least until a few years ago into a cannibal village okay so <laughs> there was a kind of a uh, yeah and i went touch about it when i got to know about it i said all right but actually i was going to be the barbecue for new year's eve
0: <laughs> whoa yeah that could have been interesting <laughs> that's the last place you want to be
1: yeah so sure. no thanks for i got to know that uh, once I was back in Calabar, the hospital. So, <laughs> but I was, yeah. Yeah, I was just, I was loafing, I was just like, "No, you, you, you got to be joking." It's, uh and they were really serious about it.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's the last way you want to go out.
1: Um, yeah, no. Is,
0: yeah. To be, is to be sitting on a barbecue like, oh, this is not what I had in mind. Not, not today. <laughs> no. <laughs> um. So, so you had surgery and you've had quite a long recovery. Um, And when I spoke to you the other day, it sounded like your timing for recovery was kind of in line with with lockdown. And now, like, it's just been an interesting year.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, indeed. I was just like, kind of sort of ready to get back in action when uh, when that Mm. lockdown started, so, but in a way, I guess, it was good to take probably more time to heal because I was walking but still leaping, still with a, uh, a, cl- a crutch, which now I just uh, walk around um,
0: much more like normal. Um, yeah. So, and, um, um, and I saw recently that you were doing a, you were raising funds for, um, I, must, I think it was your local hospital that had helped you out. Can you yeah, tell us about that? Uh, that's
1: right. That's right. So over the past 15 days, I walked a hundred miles. Uh, Just, yeah, just in uh, 15 days, uh, as to raise some money for the hospital where I've been evacuated to. So uh, the nearby hospital, which is Coventry here. And uh, yeah, that was my way to kind of thank them as they very well looked after me. And I was, um, yeah, very, very well looked after. I mean, if, if the physio hadn't been there, I mean, they pushed me out of bed. That was quite, uh, yeah. That was that was quite something. I was, yeah.
0: They Not pushed you easy. out of bed.
1: Well, when you've been lying in bed for like pretty much three weeks and you've got to sort sort yeah. of learn to walk again, yeah. Um, I, yeah, I was, yeah. So I was, yeah, literally in bed for for everything. So it took me about two days to just sitting on the edge of my bed without feeling sick then Mm. after that was just to try and push myself up and uh, because you don't trust yourself because it's like there is a pain in you think that's it's probably not healed. I'm gonna do more damage but the physiotherapy Mm. yeah you can actually do it it's strong enough and that which is probably if I'd been stuck in Nigeria for much more which was the the first choice of the insurance they just wanted to leave me there uh, would have probably never happened, but well, I would have the recovery would have been much longer i think um yeah, but yeah, so so that walk yeah was um a way to thank them because it 's quite a difficult time at the moment, so it's uh, yeah. a little a little help so but it helped me a lot, and now i 'm walking just like normal and oh, cool. uh, in, it's been a, a therapy for myself as well oh. so
0: did you did you um did your walk improve quite a lot from when you first started and then from when you finished?
1: Yeah, well, when I first started, I thought like, oh, hey gosh, what did I do there? I've like claimed I'm going to walk 100 miles and I was just mm-hmm. like, this is not going to work. And uh, and actually, I did I did manage on a couple of occasions, like a 25 kilometer walk without without um, a walking stick at all. So, yeah, uh, I was quite pleased with it. So at the end but it's not way I mean it's not without pain it's more uncomfortable now sometimes but um mm. but it's normal this this kind of pain or muscle around the pelvis I'm gonna take sometimes but it's it's not it's not bothering me it's not like it's oh. not like how it used to be anymore so
0: and will you will you get back to a like a full recovery at some point like it'll it'll be fine. yes okay yeah yeah absolutely yeah okay oh, good good okay. and um we we haven't spoken, but your you crashed your bike. That was in Nigeria. Is it still in Nigeria? What are you What are your plans with it? Are you going to continue on the trip at some points? What are your thoughts there?
1: So the bike is still in Nigeria. Yeah, it's still in uh, in Calabar. It's in a very safe compound, so I don't have to worry too much about it. The plan would be to. Um, to flying over there with uh, with parts when i'll uh, carry on the trip, so i 'll just i 've done a sort of little assessment of what the bike required There is a few damage, but um, there's a lot of cosmetic damage which i 'm not too bothered about it I think the speedometer is off, but then again, who need a speedometer in Africa Well, maybe South Africa <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I think the clutch clamp is gone that's completely exploded and the, and there is a few things, but I can just flying with parts, sort it myself, do a, a little service and and just get carry on the trip so that's what I want to do at the moment
0: yeah yeah so and and obviously like before before corona were you planning to were you making plans to go back this year and finish the finish that?
1: Uh, i think this year is going to be a bit tricky now
0: yeah.
1: um, it's just yeah with that um mm. yeah virus as well at the moment is um yeah i've i've not had chance to get back to work yet so we'll uh, we'll see how the the rest yeah. of the year unfolds and um uh, probably it's probably good as well that i recover get the full strength cuz my Although my arm is strong, it's probably the most annoying part of the moment. I still get um, uh, pain in, in the bones, and I definitely haven't got the strength fully back in my arm. Um, yeah. I've not been back on a bike yet, uh, okay. so whether I'm going to feel different about it, I don't think so. I think I'll be nah. absolutely fine. Um, yeah.
0: Was this your was yeah, this your first probably, uh, Was this your first crash on a bike?
1: Yeah. Well. Okay. Uh, this, yeah,
0: this, the second, but the first one was in Senegal, so. Uh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I've, I've, never, been, ever, in, I've, never... I've been in two, two, two or three, and I remember my first one. Um, it took actually like two or three weeks for my bike to get fixed, and it was actually right in line with about how long I needed to get back on the bike, um, because it's, you, know, you I mean, I was scared. You know, I'd been hit. It was wasn't my fault, and so you're worried about other people. Um, so it does take time. And you had quite a significant accident, um, so I could see that might be a bit hesitant. But you also don't seem like the person type of person who'd be like, "Nope, selling my bikes, never riding again." Um, I, I definitely don't see that happening. <laughs> no, that's
1: uh, that's definitely not happening. So. Well, I think I need to jump on the bicycle maybe this week, have a little spin, oh, about cool. the after. but um, maybe I've, I've not done it yet i'll hopefully I'll try this weekend. Uh, we'll see how this feels, and uh, I'll probably be looking like around like at everybody who can crash into me but
0: uh, yeah yeah uh,
1: but i'm I'm sure it'll be it'd be fine i'm lo- I'm really looking forward to finish the trip, and i'm really cool. uh, really keen on that yeah
0: we um it'll it'll be it'll be nice to hear when you do come back and and continue on the journey we we actually got a buddy here ride motors take photos um we call him uncle Rich he does have a uh, a logistics company called Harper Logistics. so okay. he ships stuff all around the world motorcycles weapons all kinds <laughs> of stuff so um I know when we spoke on the phone the other day you mentioned about the cost of shipping stuff out of Nigeria or to Nigeria being very expensive. So, um, I can send you his contact information. And um, if you need to help getting stuff there, he will more than you'll be more than willing to help you out. No problem.
1: That'd be great. Yeah. Thank you. Cause, um, then, obviously. Yeah. Sorry.
0: And then, like Neil says down here, it'd be great if you make a way down to South Africa and join us on one of our trips next yeah, year, absolutely. when things take back <laughs> off again.
1: <laughs> absolutely.
0: So, Charlotte, we've got just under two minutes left of the show. Um, so, this is, we'll cut off for now. Thank you so much for being on the show. It was great to have you, and I'm so glad to see that you're recovering, that you were able to walk 100 miles, and um, it'll be really cool to see when you do head back to Nigeria and um, and get your bike, it'll be it'll be great.
1: Yeah, I'm really, yeah. That'd be a good thing to be uh, with it together.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be nice to see it again. Um, and to everyone else who's on the show, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Um, like I said, we've got a, our last full week will be next week. On Monday night, we've got Dutch from the Bike Shed He's gonna tell us a bit about the volunteer service that they're currently doing around London. On Wednesday, we have Liam Cornier from the Cancer Bats. He also completed Scram Africa last year. And on Friday, we have the other half of Bonafide Moto Co, Alan Shenton, as our special guest. And we've got some announcements, updates, and things to let you all know. So that's it. Uh, Charlotte, I'll send you the podcast link to the show tomorrow, so you can have it.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Cool. Thanks, everyone. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Have fun.
1: <laughs> Thanks again, Joe. It was a pleasure. Pleasure.
0: Thanks, Charlotte. Thank you. Cheers. Bye, bye, guys.